What's up, mortals? This is Awesome Myths and Monsters, here to learn you a thing or two. In this episode, I'll be telling one of the 1001 stories from 1001 Arabian Nights. This is the story of Sinbad the Sailor Man, not to be confused with Sinbad the Comedian. This story wasn't included in the original Arabic version, but the collection was compiled by various authors over hundreds of years, so honestly, who cares if you add a few more? And that's how the whole thing was compiled anyway. Now, if you don't know, 1001 Arabian Nights is a collection of stories told by Shahrazad to her new husband in order to distract him so that he won't murder her. Guy got cheated on one time and now has a whole complex about it, and his solution is to chop off the head of all of his new wives on their wedding night because he's really stable and good at dealing with his problems. Shahrazad begins telling him a story during the night, but doesn't finish the story until the following day, and then starts a new story that she then doesn't finish until the following day. Her new husband is so enthralled by each story that he can't execute her till he hears how it ends. After a thousand and one stories, the king decides that he loves this woman and won't have her executed just because his ex cheated on him that one time. And she falls in love with him because he's rich. We're not going to forget that he was just straight up killing all of his wives every night, and it's not like she fell in love with him for his winning personality. So the story actually starts out with Sinbad the Porter, who is not to be confused with Sinbad the Sailor or Sinbad the Comedian. Three different people. Sinbad the Porter is tired from being a porter, which is a person who carries goods throughout the market in the city for other people, so he rests on a bench outside a rich merchant's house. He complains that the injustice of the world, where the rich live easy, but he works hard and must remain poor. Preach, Sinbad the Porter Man, preach. The owner of the house hears the porter complain and sends for him. Turns out the merchant is also named Sinbad. So Sinbad tells Sinbad about how he, Sinbad, earned his wealth in seven wondrous voyages and how Sinbad should listen to Sinbad as Sinbad tells the tales of being Sinbad. So Sinbad the merchant is going to tell the tale of how he used to be Sinbad the sailor, which is being told by Shahrazad to her husband, which is being told by me to you. So it's a story within a story within a story within a story. It's the damn inception of stories, and I hate it. It's like in The Taming of the Shrew, where the main story is actually just a play designed to distract the drunk guy, and it's also wildly unnecessary. So anyway, Sinbad tells Sinbad about his first voyage. This one starts with Sinbad inheriting a vast fortune from his father, and with a small loan of a million dollars, he manages to build his own empire by having everything given to him. But Sinbad manages to lose his father's fortune, so he decides to set out to sea to rebuild his squandered wealth. Sinbad and his crew set ashore on an island out in the middle of the sea. Except it's not actually an island, it's an Aspidochalon. An Aspidochalon? What's an Aspidochalon? It's a huge sea creature, usually depicted as a turtle or a whale, that is so large that it is mistaken for an island, and once people are on its back, it dives deep into the sea to drown them. So when Sinbad's men make a fire, it alerts the beast of their presence on its back. The Aspidochalone dives down, and the men manage to escape with the ship, but they leave Sinbad behind. Sinbad is lucky enough to be saved by passing Trough, which was apparently able to withstand the force of a gigantic sea monster diving underwater. He floats to an island, which is actually an island this time. Sinbad eats some of the fruit, and he gets to exploring. He runs into another lone wanderer, and the two exchange stories. 
Sinbad is like, we got duped by the Aspidotrilon, that pesky rascal. The other man explains that he works for this island's king, and he mates horses with seahorses, which isn't as messed up as it sounds, because he's not killing several seahorses via, you know, giant horse penis injection. He means full-sized horses that also happen to live in the sea for some reason. Sinbad helps the man with his horse's breeding adventure, which is messed up as it sounds. The horse caretaker brings Sinbad back to meet his king, two get along very well, and Sinbad is made royal advisor. Eventually, Sinbad's ship, full of the men that ditched him on the big sea monster, docks on the island. Instead of being super pissed, Sinbad is happy to see them for some reason. The men show him that they kept all of his stuff just the way he left it, and Sinbad gives his stuff to the king as a gift. The king returns the favor, and then some, and Sinbad sets off with the king's gifts. Sinbad sells the king's gifts for a huge profit, which seems super rude of him. Then he returns home, even richer than when he set off. Sinbad the sailor tells Sinbad the porter, see how I made my fortune? And Sinbad the porter has got to be thinking, sounds like this dude got a huge inheritance and then got super lucky. Like his dad gave him a bunch of money and then a king gave him a bunch of money. He's not really disputing my whole the world is unfair philosophy. Sinbad the sailor gives the porter a gift of 100 gold coins and tells him to come back the next day for more stories. And Sinbad the porter agrees because getting paid to sit and listen to some blowhard is way better than lugging people's other, other people's crap around the city. On the second day, Sinbad the sailor tells Sinbad the porter about how he was getting bored with his easy life of leisure, which has got to be the worst thing to say to a poor man struggling to get by. Like, oh, I'm sorry that his lordship's life was too easy that he has to fabricate adversity. It's the same kind of disconnected attitude that led celebrities to be like, we're all in quarantine together as they broadcast from their mansions to people sharing one-bedroom apartments. So Sinbad departs on a second voyage for no reason at all. And again, he gets left behind. He took a long nap and everyone just assumed he died and peaced out. So without a boat, Sinbad is left to wander the island. He finds a rock's nest. And I don't mean like a nest of boulders. That would be stupid. I mean, a rock, R-O-C, is a giant bird in Middle Eastern mythology. So big that it's supposed to be able to carry off elephants. Sinbad sneaks into the nest at night and ties himself around the foot of the giant bird when it wakes up in the morning, presumably in search of elephant to eat, because it's a giant bird that feeds on elephants. It flies off, and Sinbad gets a first-class ticket off the reasonably safe island. The rock brings him to a different, wildly unsafe island inhabited by giant snakes that feed on the giant birds that feed on elephants. Everything just gets worse. But Sinbad, instead of repeatedly defecating in his pants, notices that the ground under the snakes is covered in diamonds. Then he remembers this one thing that he only knows because he needs this information to get out of the story and people hundreds of years ago didn't give a shit about, like, good writing... Sinbad just so happens to remember an old random conversation where merchants would throw huge chunks of meat into the valley with giant snakes and diamonds and hope that diamonds get stuck to them. Then they would wait for the giant birds to dive in and scoop up the meat, and the merchants would be hiding near the bird's nest and had some method of scaring the giant elephant-eating birds away so they can collect the diamonds that stuck to the meat that they threw in the valley with the snakes. And Sinbad is very familiar with this method for some reason. So Sinbad runs into the valley to harvest some diamonds, strap a big piece of meat to his back. He gets picked up by a rock and flown away to a nest where a bunch of merchants are waiting to scare away the giant bird. I have no idea how they scare this bird, 
but they manage it and it drops Sinbad and flies off. The merchants are sad because the bird dropped a man instead of the diamond covered meat that they were expecting. But Sinbad managed to round up a whole bunch of diamonds before getting carried off and he splits his loot with the merchants and this makes him even richer than the previous story, the previous journey. So at this point, Sinbad the Porter is wondering if the men keep leaving Sinbad the Sailor on the islands because he won't stop telling long-winded stories about how great he is. But he's getting paid to come back the next night, so I guess he's going to find out. Sinbad leaves for his third voyage. This time, the ship along with Sinbad wash up on a rocky shore with a castle. The castle belongs to a giant who captures the men and decides to eat them. The giant eats the captain first because he's the chonkiest of the crew. Giant sticks a skewer up the man's ass and roasts him over an open fire. Then the giant enjoys some rotisserie captain kebab and lays down for a nice post-dinner sleep. While the giant is sleeping, Sinbad and the other men use the red-hot pokers the giant was using to cook and stab him in the eyes. Then Sinbad makes a fatal mistake and doesn't tell the giant that his name is Nobody. So when the giant screams for help as the men escape on a makeshift, makeshift raft, the other giants on the island actually come to help and they start hurling big-ass rocks at the fleeing men. Flying rocks manage to get all but Sinbad and a handful of men. He should have said his name was Nobody, so when the giant started screaming that nobody blinded him, all the other giants would have been like, okay, dude, shut up about it then. So the raft with the remaining men make it to another island, and this one is also inhabited by giant snakes, who promptly eat anyone that isn't named Sinbad the Sailor. Sinbad constructs himself a defensive structure out of sticks. Honestly, the picture is equal parts hilarious and genius. Sinbad just like hugs a whole bunch of big sticks together near his body so that they're sticking out in every direction. Like he's got them crisscrossed on his arms and his knees are wrapped around one going horizontal. He's got one clenched between his butt cheeks. He's basically turning himself into as much of a spiky ball as he can so the big snakes who don't have hands can't eat him. Sinbad manages to survive the night thanks to how hard he can clench his butt cheeks together and a ship finds him the next morning. And what a coincidence, it's the ship that abandoned him on his second journey. And everyone is like, whoa, what are the odds? And they give Sinbad his stuff back, or his cut from selling his stuff, and he returns home with even more money than when he left. So Sinbad the sailor bribes Sinbad the porter to come back and listen to another tale, blah, blah, blah. It's a pattern. I don't have to go over it every time. On the fourth voyage, Sinbad and his crew encounter a terrible storm, which shipwrecks them on an island. The people of the island are warm and gracious hosts. They invite Sinbad and his crew to a huge feast in their honor. The people of the island then give the crew an herb, theorized to be bong, which sounds like a dank strain of weed. The crew develop ravenous appetites. They're just jonesing for some Taco Bell. The islanders herd the crew into a barn like cattle so that they can fatten them up and then eat them like cattle because, oh yeah, the islanders are actually cannibals. Sinbad puts two and two together, and instead of warning anyone else, decides to do some abandoning of his own and make his escape. He makes his way to the other side of the island, inhabited by a bunch of people who aren't cannibals, which is a nice change of pace, but are kind of weird in their own right. Sinbad, being a thrifty merchant, makes a bunch of money and impresses the king with his money. So the king gets a nobleman's daughter for Sinbad to marry. In this non-cannibal side of the island, it is custom for some reason that when one spouse dies, 
The other is buried with them. The phrase, till death do us part, doesn't exist there. So when Sinbad's wife dies of an illness, Sinbad is lowered into the cemetery cavern with her and is given some bread for some reason. Sinbad survives for a little while until a new woman and her dead husband are lowered into the cavern. Then he bashes her head in with a big leg bone and steals her rations. Then he keeps doing this with every person who gets lowered into the cavern for several weeks. Eventually, he ends up getting lucky and notices a burrow dug out by a fox. He crawls through the tunnel to freedom. Then he crawls his way back into the cavern to loot the dead corpses because why not? He's a merchant first and foremost. He needs his money. Then Sinbad makes his way to shore where a merchant ship just saves him. And guess who this ship is? If you guessed it's his crew from the last adventure, then you weren't paying attention because they're all dead. It's just strangers. Poor Sinbad, rich Sinbad, yada, 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 fifth voyage. This time, Sinbad and his crew end up on an island because they notice a giant egg and want it for some reason. The crew crack open the egg and make a meal out of the baby chick because they're all giant idiots, but not as giant as Mama Bird. And Mama Bird returns to find her egg opened and eaten and hurls boulders at the ship and the crew. Sinbad wakes up on a different mysterious island after a ship is sunk by the aforementioned giant rocks being dropped on it. There he finds an old man who asks Sinbad to carry him on his shoulders so they can collect fruit together. This is obviously a hard no, but Sinbad is out for adventure, which apparently counts allowing an old man's scrotum to rest on the back of his neck. So Sinbad carries the old man around, and they gather fruit, and this goes on for days. Sinbad tries to get the old man off, but he refuses and just crosses his legs tighter, squeezing his junk even harder into the back of Sinbad's head. He also punches Sinbad in the face and beats on his chest, but nothing is worse than getting dry humped by this old man and his saggy nads. While out carrying the old jerk, Sinbad finds some grapes and makes himself some wine. Then he offers it to the old man until the dude is wasted. Sinbad manages to free himself and then smash the old man's head in with a rock. He gets picked up by a merchant ship because these things are essentially just a taxi service, and on his way back, he amasses some wealth on an ape-infested island somehow. Then Sinbad returns, richer than when he was left, than he was when he left. This old man of the sea is similar in many ways to the old man of the sea from Greek mythology. He was said to be able to answer any question if you could hold on to him long enough as he shifted through various forms, and Hercules manages to do it. That one wants you to hold on to him as he wiggles. This one wants to hold on to you as you wiggle. It's pretty obvious that the biggest similarity is that they're both giant perverts. So after Sinbad has faced giant whales, giant birds, giant snakes, giant giants, giant snakes again, cannibals, giant birds again, and a pervy old man who ground his nuts into the back of his head, Sinbad is still seeking adventure. He's a glutton for punishment. Well, joke's on you, idiot, because this adventure isn't exciting at all. Sinbad gets shipwrecked again. Been there, done that. This guy sucks at sailing. This island is covered in precious gems instead of pebbles, but it has no food because plants don't grow in gems. All the crew, except Sinbad, starve, so after everyone dies, he decides to make a raft and sail down the only river. Lo and behold, he finds civilization. If only he thought of exploring the island a little sooner. Did everyone else just sit around and wait to starve? Well, the king gives Sinbad a whole bunch of gold for no reason and gives him a ride back home, and that's it for the sixth voyage. So this is Sinbad's seventh and final voyage. 
he's super rich and could buy whatever he wanted, like blackjack and hookers and cocaine, but he needs to go sailing again instead. And at this point, I'm just convinced he's purposely crashing the ships. So the captain of this new ship is freaking out because they sailed too far and are in uncharted waters where giant fish and sea monsters are known to live. Ship gets attacked by three sea serpents and is broken, and Sinbad manages to make his getaway by holding onto a plank real tight, probably clenched it between his butt cheeks. That's how he survived those other snakes. He washes up on an island of merchants where Sinbad and his adventurers are apparently well known. The chief merchant wants Sinbad to marry his daughter, and Sinbad agrees. The chief dies after the wedding, and Sinbad inherits all of his wealth, becoming super richer. For some reason, the other citizens of this city morph into birds or something at some point. I think he's attacked by angels, too. He goes on an adventure with the bird person, but returns home to his wife. Honestly, at this point, I was getting tired, and I was getting sick of this guy. Then they decide to move back to Baghdad as super wealthy merchants. Sidbad vows to never travel the seas again. And now we're back to Sinbad the Windbag. Now we're back to Sinbad the Windbag, finishing telling Sinbad the Porter about how grand his adventures were. And Sinbad the Sailor asks other Sinbad, "Do you still think it's unfair that I have all these riches after I told you all of these stories?" At which point the Porter has got to be like, "Yeah, it's wildly unfair." You inherited a shitload of money, and then everywhere you went, people just kept giving you more money for no apparent reason. You survived a whole bunch of stuff that you definitely should have had, shouldn't have by sheer dumb luck. From all of your stories, all I learned was that you're a terrible sailor, and your only redeemable skill is being able to clench your butt cheeks real hard. Hard enough to hold sticks. I actually think the world is even more unfair than I did before, and I hate you. That's it for the episode. If you enjoyed, like, leave a review, maybe tell a friend. Where would you draw the line in these adventures? Like, personally, I hate the idea of birds so big that they can carry off elephants. My brother has a 14-ounce parrot, and it's awful and scary, so I imagine a 14-ton bird would just be worse. I hate birds.